On this episode of the Aka Education Podcast, Justin speaks with the incomparable Katarina Henriksen and Anders Edenroth, founding members of the Swedish vocal sensation The Real Group. Justin, Katarina, and Anders discuss careers that span over 35 years, the importance of lifelong learning, TRG's superb educational program, The Real Group Academy, and their upcoming The Real Group e-festival in April. Let's get ready. It's time for some Aka Education. <laughs> Hey everybody, it's Justin Glodish here with episode 33 of the Aka Education Podcast, and I have a very special treat this week. Uh, these these folks are some of my um, greatest influences in my life, and I'm so excited to get to talk with them today. I have Katarina Henriksen and Anders Edenroth, both founding members of Swedish group, The Real Group. Thank you so much, Anders and Katarina, for joining me on the Aka Education Podcast this week. Hi, thank Justin, you. and hi, everybody, and thank you. It's a privilege. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for the invitation. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I, I have to say, you're one of the most important, in my opinion, one of the most important vocal groups of all time. And I'm just curious, you know, you've been together since 1984. How did the group come together? Katarina, how did the group come together? You know, it was actually the guys in the group that started at the Royal Academy or the Royal College of Music in Stockholm. And uh, they asked me and Margareta if we wanted to join an a cappella group. Is that correct, Anders? <laughs> yeah, I think it is. Definitely. <laughs> uh, we, uh, the way, I mean, we, the story is that we wanted to form a band. Actually, it, we had to. Uh, there was one of the classes uh, at school that you said that you should form your own ensemble. And mm. we felt that the easiest thing, we don't have to carry all these instruments and, and you know, let's sing something, you know. Uh, but I, I think that the story is, is actually not completely true because there was a longing with the, the three of us that we wanted to um, merge together our choral background with our interest in pop and jazz and folk music. And... Um, and of this course, it's really uh, true because we yeah. all had a, a background that goes even further back. All five of us uh, in a school in Stockholm, where you get to sing choir one hour per day from your from the age of ten. Oh wow! So we had all gone to that school. So we knew I knew Anders from when I was eleven years old, and you know, mm -hmm. so there was definitely something prior to that. Mm -hmm. Margareta, Katrina, do you want to join us? <laughs> That's that's awesome. I, I wish I wish I had that opportunity here in the states to be able to you know have a class, have a school where I could sing for an hour every day and just and meet new people like that. We have something like that where you know students audition and they only go for like a weekend, but not necessarily an entire school year. So um, it's, it's pretty awesome actually. And and you know now uh, as as we get older and look back at things that are really really important in life you know to have had this opportunity and not just the musical opportunity but also the social opportunity mm -hmm. you know what, what it does to people when you get to sing together and have another way of connecting to each other when you're like 10 years old than just what school offers but the singing right. um, really means a lot so i think it's beautiful 
Awesome. And you actually say that, you know, you met younger, you know, and now you actually bring forth this educational initiative and, and work with folks uh, to bring all of your experience and expertise in the vocal music world um, to the classroom. Essentially, you run the Real Group Academy, which is an educational academy, which Katarina, you are CEO of and Anders, you have a big part in as well. So um, Anders, could you give a little brief description of some of the things that you do? for the real group academy we are of course right now during the pandemic we do a lot of online uh, seminars we coach choirs we uh, uh, katarina has wednesday uh, warm-ups and uh, there's there's stuff that we can't do i do arranging classes and mm -hmm. stuff like that uh, of course, when, uh, during a normal year, we uh, do a lot of uh, meet ensembles, everything from uh, vocal groups up to large choirs, and uh, and and we we meet them and make music together and share our ideas and the way we have explored vocal music over the decades and try to uh, at least to. Show them some shortcuts that we we uh, they can can be helpful to them. Mm -hmm. And Katarina, you want to add on? Yeah, to that I as just well? wanted yeah. to say because it it was funny. It, you know, when we started such a long time ago, we were actually asked quite early on to talk about what we were doing, mm -hmm. and that was you know it was nothing that we really uh, we didn't planet or you know we we just found ourselves in these seminars with 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 teachers you know at that time we were like in our early 20s right right and mm -hmm. telling them that yeah this is how we go about you know, to work with intonation and this is you know so it was like uh, because there weren't any other groups around that had done that at least they didn't know about it in sweden so right. you know it the, this um educational or whatever to share has always been part of what we do and as that was a parallel thing and we felt it was pretty obvious to, to us that we were also learning at the same time mm -hmm. so that has been like a really uh, a, an important thing with the academy that we learn and we still you know now look at that as one of the uh, f uh, most important factors when when I do a workshop I want to ask myself okay so what is it that I want to learn from this mm -hmm. you know to have that kind of attitude that we're all learning from each other in this situation absolutely so, and uh, yeah, yeah that's where that comes from yeah i agree that we're all lifelong learners i mean i'm still learning every day even from my sixth graders you know my 10 year old students that i you have know? so you know you learn something yeah. new every day and no i was just saying i mean it may sound like a cliche but it's it's like it was really true because that's how it was fr from from really early on and now it's become like one of the the core things for us to to really uh, not that we have to remind ourselves but to to put also put forward that that is a really good way of approaching uh, education in general i think right and i think um you know and andrews even said you know with the pandemic everything has gone virtual and um I know that at least myself as an educator, uh, virtual has been a challenge, uh, especially technology wise. Um, and I'm sure you've experienced the same, um, but you know, making that transition into virtual, you know, how have you been able to really work with individuals knowing that you know, there might be a, a lag in the internet connection when they're all singing together, but they're, it doesn't sound like they're singing together when you, know, you hear it on your end. So how, what are some things that you've been able to do to try and, um, come away from those technological issues that you might have? 
To me personally, when it when it comes to online education, I think um, if you try to copy in real life education, it will be a, a, a not very interesting sort of pale copy of real life, basically. Mm -hmm. So I, th I think the important thing is to try to see are there things we can do with in on online education that we cannot do when we're in the classroom. What are the benefits and try to look for them uh, in a positive way. And I, I, I have definitely explored several of, of these things, how you can uh, enhance education. Uh, I don't have any really good ex examples, but one very obvious one is that you can actually take part in the class several times over because it's recorded and it's online. If you miss it or come late, you can catch up. Right. Uh, but there are many more. Also, also the fact that some people are shy in a classroom to mm -hmm. speak up, and maybe they're not online. They feel safer. Uh, you get a personal uh, contact with people that you teach because you actually visit them in their homes. There's a cat jumping up in their lap while, they're, while you're teaching them. It's, it's not a distraction. It's actually bringing you closer uh, as people when you do that. I agree. And Katerina, you want to add on? No, I, I was just wanted to say that uh, uh, Peter Carlson, another one of our members in the academy who is a founding, uh, was in the group from the beginning as well. Hmm. He uh, and and uh, and a woman from from uh, Holland who has actually not sung in the real group, but who is an amazing educator and also a conductor and has her own uh, groups. The two of them, they have been giving quite a few uh, workshops where they really, you know, explore and. Um, what the format of Zoom can do mm -hmm. and what is specific, like you were saying, on this, that it doesn't become like a pale copy of <laughs> mm. the reality of, of a rehearsal, but just tricks. So th I think that's really, uh, that's, that's fun. Mm. I've been trying, I'm still struggling, I must admit. I think it is hard. And, uh, but I'm, it, what I really like, though, is that with, I have done these warm-up sessions and it came from an, my own, wish to just I need to sing and mm -hmm. so now there have been people from so many places in these sessions and it's so cool because you know, it's like you know from Canada US Israel all the European countries so we've been have been and that's a pretty amazing feeling to do 40 minutes on Wednesdays where you with you know all these people <laughs> that's awesome fun. oh yeah it's awesome I think that you have you know we're in a situation now where you're able to connect with more people globally than you ever were before you know yeah. these there could have been situations where maybe you were only able to work with people when you were on tour in certain locations or if they travel to you locally. Um, where now is, like you said, every Wednesday, you have people from several countries wanting to work with you. And um, you have the ability to be on a phone call with me here now in New York. And then, you know, two hours later, you can be on another phone call to someone who's in Japan, possibly, you exactly. know, you have, you have those connections. And um, the, the cool thing about Zoom is that, you know, they're trying to catch up with the technology and trying to continually update to make it as strong as possible for us to have these features to be able to keep this connection going. So. I, which, for which we are forever grateful. Hope yes. it goes fast. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, and, but uh, it's so true, Justin. And then this is, it's, it's heartwarming in, in this, in these times to have that feeling, I think when you to, to just, uh, yeah, 
that the connection, the connections is something that we need to, especially during this pandemic is we've lost a lot of that interaction, being able to go outside and, and be with um, as many people as possible. Now it's, you know, a high, you know, we, we have our mask policy here, you know, in New York state, in New York state, we have to wear a mask when we go out in public and whatnot and maintain social distancing. And there's all these rules that we have to follow. And that's, that's been over a year now. Like we hit that in March of last year, it's, we're yeah. a year into it. And, it's, it's been a struggle for a lot of people emotionally, you know, mentally draining, but um, there's oh, absolutely. The, the horizon. I, I, we, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, things are starting to, to change and move at a rapid pace. And hopefully that's the same for you as well. And it is. it is. Yeah, of course yeah. it is. And I, I was thinking about your question, Justin, about mm-hmm. uh, the, how we have gotten used to the teaching online uh, during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I think one, one of the key uh, sort of secrets behind the real group success over the years have actually been uh, our adaptability mm-hmm. uh, because when we started out as, as i said we came from a choral background uh, where we was we were used to having a, a conductor telling us what to do basically and telling us normally telling us what we did wrong and then corrected it and then it got better that was mm-hmm. the uh, pedagogics back then mm-hmm. still is sometimes and I think when we when we started rehearsing together five of us we didn't have a conductor so in the beginning we re- recorded things on a cassette player and then listened to it and the cassette player became some kind of conductor it didn't work either it's totally time consuming mm-hmm. so what we had to do was to invent uh, our own set of rules our own methods and constantly developing them which I think is kind of rare because normally you learn from the older generation and then when you teach uh, the younger generation later on in life you pass on uh, a heritage of knowledge that comes from generations back Mm -hmm. in some sense we did that Uh, but in in many cases we early on needed to adapt to uh, a complete new uh, set of circumstances, which led to methods that we now really like to share with both ensembles and regular choirs in, in the world, because we, we do think and believe that there is a strong power and a strong uh, sort of source and a well of wisdom and knowledge that comes from the actual singers themselves mm-hmm. that needs to be uh, brought out even more than ever. Absolutely. I think, I think, you know, you as performers, you're, you're right in the trenches when it comes to the experiences that you've had. And, and that's not, that's not to um, say anything bad against, you know, teachers who are teaching in the classroom. I mean, I'm a teacher in the classroom. I'm not gonna, I don't want to, you know, put myself in that, but you know, you have that real world experience that you have, you know, knowledge of that most don't. And, when you bring that knowledge into a classroom or into a workshop with uh, choirs and students, they're gaining invaluable information that they would have never probably have gotten. So I, I think um, I would love to know some of your methods if you're willing to, you know, share a couple, um, you know, in terms sure. of like, um, let's, let, uh, let's talk about our arranging, you know, I love yeah. um, arranging and your arrangements are just second to none. When I, when I listen to to your recordings and your albums and, you know, where does the, the process start for you? How do you determine what song you're going to do and how you're going to arrange it for the members of your group? You know, what is that like for you? 
I think Anders, you should answer this, but I will just say very briefly first that it's all—it's been a collective process when when we started out. So, uh, in, in, Anders, for instance, used to come and you know try something, and we would be like, "Oh, can we change this note?" And, and also, uh, in in regards to what Anders was saying before, that mm -hmm. even though there is a heritage, we were in in this a cappella uh, world that we were are definitely are part of early on we also decided that no we don't want to do already um, uh, or arrangements that that we could buy right so that was a way of 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 making our creating our own path so we did that but then Anders, you have written so much, so I really think you should answer more. Yeah, but I mean, the, the, the process of, of the, the repertoire has definitely been on a collective level of, mm -hmm. on what to do when. And, and it has been very much driven by some kind of curiosity and um, uh, very, very spontaneous and intuitive. Uh, one person said, I just love this song. Let's do this uh, Frank Lloyd Wright, you know. And okay, how are we going to do it? Yeah, how? Will we, and 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 then I can write a score, or let's write a score together. Whatever, it 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 came from a tr very very true uh, childish love for different musical idioms that we so much just wanted to be in. Uh, we wanted to put ourselves into that idiom and and belong to it. Of course, we can't. We're we're definitely not authentic in, in any style of music. We are uh, more. Uh, it's our what we show is our love for that musical idiom, right. not the actual idiom itself. Which is a very very big uh, distinction to me. It's totally different because if you just copy and you become a parrot, you can become really good at it, mm -hmm. and that was never our intention. And so when it comes to arranging, I, I feel, feel the same way too. I, I sometimes wonder if, I, I, if I'm really able to uh, arrange or compose music for voices uh, because I, I almost always compose music for people, mm -hmm. for human beings that I actually know. Right. Uh, and I, when I write a score, I know it's Katarina is going to sing the alto part on this song. So I, I write the score for her voice, mm -hmm. not for any alto in the world or any bass. It's, it's the actual people. So when I have been asked to write music for like just any kind of music to publish, I, it doesn't really come to me as easy. Mm. Uh, I need to know what the, what the choir is, the ensemble. I need to know their, their, how they, are what their right. personalities are you know even larger ensembles have a personality so i think um i, I think that the creative process has been collective even if some of us has been, have been writing more uh, stuff and, but but there has been a great degree of collaborations within the groups uh, within the group especially me and katarina we have been doing yeah, a lot definitely. of stuff together both lyrics arrangements you know ideas and stuff that's so, uh, it's a very yeah. interesting thing that you brought up how you know you feel more comfortable arranging for your group you know you know every voice yeah. you know exactly who's going to do what you know um the idiosyncrasies and, and everything you know like every little detail about what each person in your group is going to be able to control as opposed to 
writing for, you know, a group who's commissioning a work for you where you're, yeah. you're not sure where it's going to go. I, I find that fascinating that, mm-hmm. that I, I never thought of it that way. Cause I usually arrange for my seventh and eighth grade group that I have. And I, I know their voices, but when someone asks me to arrange for their group, I'm, I, I, I need a lot more information. It's like, I feel like I need to meet them first, you know, to at least get an idea. So, um, yeah, because you, you yeah. can e- easily slip into the bracket of becoming generic with your mm-hmm. uh, uh, creative process. So mm-hmm. you're just making a safe kind of score. <laughs> I can do that. Of course, I have the skills for it. But um, if I want to do something that is uh, stretching my borders and challenging me as a creative uh, writer i i definitely need to know the ensemble pretty well Mm. before i do that now in terms like your arrangements that you've done uh together and been a part of as a group um have you found that after a while you feel the need to maybe change or modify are they continually like growing and modifying or changing um, so like maybe this chord changes here or you add a new lyric here um, over the course of your career. Has, has anything like that ever happened for you? Oh, I would say definitely. Are you crazy? Yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> Am <laughs> I crazy? Oh, I was just dying. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, of course. And I would say the process of the first, you know, two or three years of a song that is that we bring on tour, that's that is a constant change. And then it may stay in, in a certain way for a while. And then if we decide to record it or, you know, if something else comes up, then there is a, that's a new process about it. And then it's funny. Then you've, put it away from the repertoire for a while. And then when you, if you want to bring it back, then it's like, what? This is a great song, but if we only change this and that. So it's right. a constant process, I would say. Oh yeah. The it's a long way of saying that. <laughs> oh yeah. The evolution of it is, is yeah. totally important. Yeah. So. Um, but it's another thing yeah. that has been uh, important to the real group is that to s- stick with the repertoire for quite a long time, mm-hmm. um, not just to change it and, and write new stuff all the time. We could have been so much more productive if we wanted to, but we realized that uh, when songs had been, and we normally would have something around 80 concerts a year, and it would take one or two years before a song really started to shine. Mm-hmm. We usually enter the song in the middle of the first set because that's a safe place to have a new song. You still have the rest of the concert to make up for if that song doesn't really work or pay off. You and can, it's early it, enough that you, don't, that you still remember it. You know, you can have yeah, exactly. some energy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and you, I wouldn't be surprised that if like two or three later, years later, this song would end up as the encore mm-hmm. because it, it has grown into something fantastic. It wasn't that because we didn't own it. We only could sing it to begin with. Right. And do you find that, you know, when those songs would happen in your sets, did they, um, would you get feelings of despair or like, would you feel that, well, this, the crowd isn't reacting the way that I want to? Have you had songs that you just said, uh, no thanks or... Of, of course that has happened, but I think that that is really a, a little piece of wisdom right there with that to, to give it, you know, 10 times isn't enough. Mm-hmm. It could be 20 mm-hmm. times before you, it's before you really know. Of course, there have been songs where we, after 20 times, I felt like, hmm, no, maybe not. Right. <laughs> but, but, you know, it takes such a long time because it also 
depends on where it is in the set mm -hmm. and how it's uh yeah it's, so it, it depends on a lot of things and to change to uh, to experiment with that is really fun too mm -hmm. true so, yeah and you, you brought in the, the the aspect of the audience which has been a very very vital part of our years on the road of mm -hmm. course and the way the way we have developed our repertoire I think we, we had many discussions in the beginning, at least, to, where, as, as far as I remember, that we shouldn't let the, the, the audience decide what we should do. We should also always be sure that we are totally, our integrity is protected from uh, falling into the trap of just being a crowd pleaser or doing stuff that everybody would love, you know. Mm -hmm. Which song get, got the most applause or most laughs? Yeah, let's keep those and take away these ones. Uh, I, I, as I remember it, Katarina, we were, you know, we spoke about these things. Oh, absolutely. That, we mm -hmm. left that and felt that, yeah, the audience is actually part of the experience and they're part of the, the creative process. Mm -hmm. uh, meeting different people each night, the song would feel different. I would get more perspectives on what the song is all about. It would grow just because the difference, re different reactions from the different people in different parts of the world. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I, I think we, we let the audience into our creative process more and more, actually, without definitely not being speculative about it in that sense. Uh, rather the opposite, I would say. Okay. And um, now going back to the Academy, um, do you find that this, this idea works similarly in the Academy, whereas you teach something to a group of people and then they pretty much dictate where the Academy or where the workshop goes from there? Um, or do you usually have a set plan and, and go for it? Um, you know, Justin, I would say both of those <laughs> ways of, of doing it are are true mm -hmm. so it, it really depends i must say um i mean sometimes you can have the idea that you know th this is this is what we do and we're going to stick to it because the idea is for for a group to have like a, a, a new experience or that you just don't understand or that that is hard to grasp until you have gone through the whole motion of it so to speak mm -hmm. but then there are other workshops that we do or that is completely in in dialogue at with with yeah. so both ways i would say okay yeah cool. awesome. yeah i don't know if you i mean we're on an educational podcast now so i mean mm -hmm. sweden was one of the first countries in the world in the 60s to introduce uh dialogue-based education uh up to that point one person was teaching 30 students mm -hmm. saying this is what you need to learn if you know it you'll get a good grade and you'll be, become successful in your life it was a it was a one-way communication and then uh, and there was one uh, item of knowledge that was passed on and i think what what happened in sweden and norway and denmark um, was that you started to have a dialogue between the mentor and the students mm -hmm. so there was a learning process between these two and also more important, a learning process between the students. So they were le learning from each other. Right. So this dialogue-based uh, educational system was radical, of course. And uh, when you measured it, uh, people actually knew less facts. They didn't know about when the French Revolution was. They don't know when, but they knew why it was mm -hmm. all of a sudden. 
which was a great difference from the earlier years when they only knew the year and mm -hmm. when it was not, not not any reason no context you know so i don't know if this is this is a very short version of swedish educational history <laughs> no no that's that's fine that's actually really fascinating to, yeah to know i mean that. your yeah. father was a teacher uh, back then katrina he, yeah, he yeah, yeah. This. yeah and my mother as well so yeah sorry totally. yeah both of them yeah <laughs> yeah but i was going to say that one thing that has been um, that we started with because we were so many times asked to do seminars and workshops when we were out on tour so we would be all five of us and even with our sound engineer who was always mm -hmm. part of the group as a sixth member so we would do these uh, workshops all six of us actually. Mm -hmm. And we found it to be really, really fun because then we could also learn from each other, even though we've spent so much time together. Of course, we have influences from, you know, that are, are our own unique influences and also our <laughs> uh, own opinions about things. So mm -hmm. we would sometimes argue in front of the class in, in, a, in a good way, you know, and say that this is, this is how we like to, to to talk about this because it is, it's not one way that is right mm -hmm. or wrong, blah, blah, blah. So now I would say that uh, uh, even, or as often as we can, we try to be two uh, uh, teachers or leaders or whatever uh, that when, when we do workshops, because it's, it's just simply more fun. Also, I find it, since I don't do this full time and I don't have an, a, a normal educational uh, um, background mm -hmm. uh, it's I, I also get more uh, it's easier for me to have the focus and listen if I don't have to at the same time uh, send and to, to take turns when you're two people in in the room to uh, be responsible for that dynamic mm -hmm. I find it to be really really fun so that's that's also a really something that has come out of the fact that we did this from when we were really young and that we were all together Right. And I love that you mentioned that there's no one way to do it. And no. we all have opinions. And, you know, I've, I mean, I was in a group for, for a couple of years as well. And we, we had those, those same opinions in front of, you know, students and you learn a lot of new things about each other. And like the students learn, like you said, there's no one right way to do this, that, or the other thing, which I think is very important. No, and I also think it's really nice for the students because they get included, you know, as, as equal members in this discussion if they want to. Mm -hmm. and, and that's a really nice way of, of, of yeah, of, of an, in, an educational environment, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah. You want them to take ownership of their own education and not just, exactly. be, not just be given information to remember, but have them have a say and, and be a part of you know, and be teachers as well and be mentors to their classmates as well. Exactly. So. I think that one of the few words from the Swedish language that actually was exported to the rest of the world is the word smörgåsbord, <laughs> uh, which means a lot of food of different kinds on mm. a big table and everybody gets to pick what they like the best. And, mm -hmm. it, and I, I would like to think of the Real Group Academy as a, an, an educational smorgasbord in that sense that when we work with people, they can, they can pick and choose uh, favorite stuff and they don't have to eat the spinach if they don't want to, <laughs> or they can eat only the spinach if they want to. Right. And for that reason, we also have um, some uh, brought in people from outside the real group into like uh, Katrina 
mentioned Meryl Martins from Holland, for example. Uh, people that they have different methods and different um, uh, ideas on how to work with vocal music, but we do share uh, the fundamental values about mm -hmm. why music is important and and other things that that we can connect. So they, we offer a broader palette by by expanding the academy. Now, if one wanted to uh, become involved with the Academy to be able to work with you, how would one uh, go about doing so? Oh, uh, there is a website and mm -hmm. it's, of course, always uh, <laughs> needs to be improved, but we can easily get in contact with us there. And you can also see some of the things that we have done. But if I, I, yeah, so it's the realgroupacademy.com. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. Awesome. I think well, uh, most welcome. <laughs> yeah. I think that's perfect for anyone who's listening to, you know, that wants to work with, you know, people like just two amazing, I want to, I'm going to call you rock stars, rock stars that have been ah. in the business for so many years and, <laughs> and, and, and value music and music education as much as they do and how important it is in our child's lives and in our classrooms, the real group Academy, I think is the way to go. Um, now, Thank you, Justin, for this. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I, so. I'm looking, I, I really asked the question for myself. I'm looking into it for myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, you always want to learn. Um, now, I want to talk about, you know, just all of the experiences that you've had in, in the course of your careers. And I know, Katarina, you actually, you have been out of the group for, for quite some time, but you still run the academy and whatnot. And Anders, you're, you're still with the group and you know, hopefully sooner or later we get back into, you know, performing live in front of people again. Um, but what has been one of the most memorable experiences that you've had in your careers um, that just when you, you sit back and you look back at it, it's like, that was a moment that, that I'm going to take with me forever. Is there <laughs> any one moment that sticks out to you? Um, if, if I don't know, uh, it's, that's a really hard one because we've been fortunate. We've done some amazing, uh, had, we've had some amazing concert experiences that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in, in first time in South Korea, for instance, when we came and we didn't think that anyone knew who we were and there's like 2000 people just cheering and, and really, uh, showing us a lot of appreciation to say the least. Mm -hmm. But if I was to say something that is, is sticks out it is, you know, it, it's a really incredible community with vocal groups and with choirs and, and the vibe in that community to be part of that. And that has been celebrated, especially in some festivals. Mm -hmm. We have done a few festivals ourselves with the Real Group Festival, but we have also taken part. And, and again, in South Korea, we were part of a really big uh, thing called Amazing Voice together with with uh, three other groups, an American group that's fantastic and it's still working called impact oh yes and yeah yep. yeah so impact mm -hmm. were in korea with us and and uh, or we were with them i don't know which and uh, idea of north from australia and rayaton from finland so we did that and that was a community of singers at the same time as as that was extended to an audience that totally appreciated us so that was like a, a really amazing amazing feeling amazing voice it was called so amazing awesome. feeling too <laughs> yep. yeah impact i i know they they just celebrated 25 years together uh, and, and they've you know they've gone through a few lineup changes but the 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 main goal and the main purpose is still there and they're phenomenal they're a phenomenal group absolutely yeah anders how about you yeah this is so different this is so difficult i think i i i did an estimate and i've done 
a bit over 2,700 concerts with the group since we started. And I, I meet people or people, you know, send messages to me, rem reminding me of things. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I have a vivid memory of what they're talking about. Sometimes I have completely blank, you know, I have no idea. Have I even been to this city, mm -hmm. you, you know, in the world? <laughs> So uh, it's it's a bit, that doesn't mean that that evening or that concert was you know boring or bland in a, in a sense. It's it's just that there's there's just this enough space in my head for reminding things. <laughs> I I need to remember other things like the door code to our building so I can get back in when I've been shopping. You know, so I guess there's a limited space. Uh, but um, there are some. I mean, I think some of the most meaningful things to me is when music has gone beyond entertainment and gone into something that carry a greater message when we have been part of, of something that is bigger than music. Mm -hmm. um, one such an occasion is many, many years ago, I, I met this young woman after a concert and she walked up to me and said that, Anders, you know that you actually saved my life. Your music saved my life. Uh, I was suffering from a bad case of um, anorexia and uh, you wrote a song that was called How Come It Is So Hard To Be The Way You Are. And uh, when I heard that, I, I, it was like holding up a mirror in front of me and I realized that, hey, I'm, who am I fooling? I'm, I don't have to lose more weight now. And she was down to like 35 kilos or whatever. And uh, so that was a turning point for her, mm. that song. Of course, that was not my intention with the song, uh, how it landed. But it was totally, of course, moving to me to realize that she was serious about that your song saved my life. Mm -hmm. It was not just a, like a, it was a literary thing. And I, I, I also we've sung in weddings and, and funerals and when people are baptizing their kids and we have done, as Katarina said, huge concerts uh, in the world and uh, small ones. And they, I, I can't really say that any of them are less or more in, the, in that sense. Mm. Um, I wish I remember the early concerts better, Katarina. I, <laughs> Uh, they are so far back, so I, I can I can see an I can see a picture from that time. And yeah, that's right. That's me. I'm older in I'm younger in that picture than my kids are now. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so so I must have been some other person. Very much of me was another person back then. You know? mm. That's uh, fascinating. That's beautiful. Yeah, like, it is. Um, and it just shows like the the effort and work that you put into your own craft really can affect anybody you know i think and that's the power of music we talk about the power of music and it's sure. it's very important um yeah now katarina you had mentioned uh the real group festival and yeah i believe you actually have one an e-festival coming up next month in april um, with dr Derek fox uh, would you like to talk a little bit about that Yes, that would be good. That's going to be really wonderful. We're going to do three days with the, the uh, SMV uh, School for Music and Vocations. Uh, mm -hmm. Is that how you say that in in yeah. Preston? I mean, we've been working oh, yeah. with we've we've been with Jeremy for 
at least Jeremy. six times. Yeah, Jeremy, Jeremy Fox, not Derek Fox. I no, apologize. Jeremy Fox, exactly. <laughs> uh, so we know him and he's been to Sweden as well. So he's an old, really good friend of ours. And he's just amazing the way he, he uh, yeah, what he does in that school and together with some really amazing people as well. So we're going to, to be do, um, um, how, how many? That's like a whole bunch of of master classes and also individual coachings and mm. uh, it's a lot of things in within those three days wow. and then something we call blast from the past where we show some clips from our <laughs> uh, past mm-hmm. and it's, uh, like, it's like a concert uh, you're yeah. going to this this is the concert but the artists are actually changing in in age and appearance from like the mid 80s and up to now uh, <laughs> so it's it's a, it's a journey back in time time that's really uh, cool blast from the past yeah nice and uh you actually you mentioned the uh the school in in creston and actually one of my bandmates that i used to perform with when i performed professionally he actually went to that school um so he's very he's uh so i'm I'm kind of familiar with it but yeah he ended up uh, going there graduated from there it's it's a great school and uh the festival just sounds just sounds phenomenal I, i i would actually love to see this blast from the past growth (laughs) of the real group because you know just the evolution of the group and the music that you've put out there over the many years i think it's important i I just want to see it (laughs) you know justin justin we 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 spoke about the i mean the 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 upside of uh the, the the online education and i think this is actually something that we talked with jeremy a lot when planning this how can we make this uh uh more uh, mm-hmm. than and actually we have a program as as m- much more people involved in the educational work than normally because nobody has to fly there there's no hotel that needs to be paid and so on mm-hmm. and we have also already started the festival uh, prior so me and jeremy were doing arranging classes for four weeks uh, leading up to uh, the actual festival there will be some things happening after the festival that's great and as i said er- earlier people can watch uh, different classes they don't have to do it real time it's on- they can do it and a fun thing is also that we're getting people to apply f- Normally, it was sort of the vicinity of, of Iowa that people came from from a good traveling distance mm-hmm. uh, near Iowa. And now people can participate from any part of the world right. as an ensemble or as an individual. And uh, and sorry for sounding like like a, like a salesperson, but it's for <laughs> for twenty five bucks you you get quite a lot for these three days you get to take part of in, in, in all of this you know it's fantastic so for 20 you said 25 bucks it's yeah. 25 dollars for that's, an individual i mean to work to work with you guys i mean that's yeah, just, that's know. that's that's important i, I mean I think because katarina katarina's wednesday warning morning warm-up is worth 20 bucks yeah. alone <laughs> so and and my arranging class will be five bucks so the yeah. rest is just bonus <laughs> That's that's phenomenal. I just oh, it's cool though. Yeah, and you bring yeah. up a good rate point. I um I had a interview a couple of weeks ago with um the president of the Contemporary Acapella Society of America, and you know they they host three festivals a year, 
and they approached the virtual option this year. And I know they just had one recently, uh, it was the Los Angeles acapella festival, but they had mm. their headlining acts yeah. were from five different continents, you yeah. know, and the, they have one coming up in Boston, uh, which, you know, will probably have the same setup, but people are just coming from everywhere. And I think the virtual attendance is greater than if people came in person. And like you said, they're saving money on travel expenses, you know, hotels, things like that, to be able to put more money towards bringing in, you know, bringing in larger or higher profile uh, folks to, to work in, or just more people in general to work with. So this is true. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's fun things we're doing. I, I need to tell you about this because I, I found in the archive, some old recordings that we did, a song I wrote called Pass Me the Jazz. Uh, I found that I actually made music minus one tracks. So I have, I have tracks that are only four singers and then no alto on one and no tenor on the other. And I realized, hey, I told Jeremy, maybe we could use these tracks, you know, for send them out and people can add their own voices and we will mix them and we will pick a couple of them as an opening act to our blast from the past. Oh, that sounds so awesome. It's, you know, this is totally <laughs> weird having, you know, the audience singing with some of the members of the real group as an opener to the real group in the festival. That, of course, it can't happen when mm -hmm. you do uh, a live concert. Same time, when we do the blast from the past concerts, we, we chat with the audience at the same time because they're on Zoom, so they, they, they talk to us. So in the middle of the concert, I'm singing right here and I'm age 31 in, in the <laughs> image and me 50 plus is at the same time chatting with some person in the audience about what clothes I'm wearing or where to buy the <laughs> score or, you yeah. know, whatever. Mm. And uh, that was a no, fantastic experience yeah. Yeah. for us to have. I mean, we've, we've done it. Uh, once before and it, it's really really great you know yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it's the ability to connect with you on a more uh, on a more humanistic level you know it's, sure. it's not so it's no longer you know you are on stage and we're in the audience it's we're no. we're equal we're connected we're, we're human no, we, we know, even so. had breakout rooms afterwards so we oh, wow. went into a breakout room so people go, go in and out of these breakout rooms and just say hello to us mm. uh, you know just it would happen. We went go out in the foyer to sign some CDs. Now yeah. they came into the breakout room. Yeah, it's like post concert, just a, a exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was fun. <laughs> yeah. So there, there is silver lining to to the virtual aspect of these things, and that's you know, the that's, word. That's something that could potentially stick when um, everything brings itself back to normalcy. But um, yeah, I, I honestly think that I don't know if I would have been able to speak with you today if this wasn't an option you know, and um, we, there's one person I do have to thank. And that's Stephanie Lamb, who, who works with you here in the United States. Um, she had contacted me. Um, and her and I had been in conversation. And that's how this got set up. So if it wasn't for Stephanie, Stephanie, I hope you're listening. Um, I want to thank you for the work that you did for uh, bringing us together. And um, Anders and Katerina, it has been a pleasure and honor to speak with you this week. And um, best of luck at your festival. And yeah. thank you so much, yeah. Justin. And I may actually be taking part. For, and I, I, I yeah. actually need to thank you, uh, Stephanie Lamb, our North America representative, uh, because it's you represent a part of our. Um, the, the, you're also uh, Stephanie's also a singer and arranger. She has a, her own vocal group uh, over in BC, mm -hmm. uh, but also the people who actually 
do produce culture and work behind the scenes, not necessarily always on stage, but make things happen is so important to, yeah. to uh, art. And, and uh, Stephanie is going to hold a, a seminar, a masterclass on this during the uh, days in, in Creston, just nice. for us to show how important we think these people are. Great. Awesome. Well, once again, thank you. You can check out The Real Group at therealgroup.se. And yes, for Sweden. We'll have all of these links posted in the episode description so you can go find them and have quick access to them. So Katarina Henderson, Anders Edenroth, thank you so much for joining me this week on the Aka Education Podcast. Thank you, Justin Glodish. We'll be right back. I've been doing this podcast now for 33 episodes, and honestly, it's not every day you get to speak to some of your idols. So thanks again to Katarina Henryson and Anders Edenroth of The Real Group for joining me this week to talk about all things TRG. Be sure to check out the links in the episode description for resources from this week's episode. Follow the podcast on social media at AkaEd Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And follow me, Justin Glodish, at OfficialJGlow on TikTok and Twitter. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We're found on Anchor, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. New episodes are released every Wednesday. You can also now tune into the podcast on Akaville Radio, akaville.org. If interested in supporting this podcast with a monthly donation, go over to anchor.fm slash podcast to do so. And if you ever have any questions about the podcast, suggestions on future guests, please email me at akaedpodcast at gmail.com or leave a voice message on the Anchor website. From the Aka Education Podcast, I'm Justin Glodish. We'll talk soon. <laughs>